We are the tribe from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating our rivals never gets old. Making our way to the Big Sky Conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. Welcome back, Tribe from North Brave and Bold, to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals and the Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brian Marceau, joined for this special edition of what I'm calling Tubs of the Club After Dark, instant reaction to uh, Idaho's week one loss to WSU, which is, uh, this is not a sad episode, guys, but joined by co-host Dallas Hammer. He came flying in from Pullman, just got back in Spokane. Dallas, how's it going? It is fantastic. I am buzzing. I have never been so happy to be wrong in my entire life. Yeah, look, we're not going to do any warm-up, guys. This is Around the Bar brought to us by Hughes River. So, look, the broad strokes, guys. It was uh, the, the spread for this game, depending on where you look, it was between 27 and a half points and 29 and a half points, obviously, in favor of WSU. Idaho beat the hell out of the spread 24-17. This game was competitive wire to wire. I mean, Idaho drew first blood. Our, uh, Marcus Harris recovered fumble, took it in for a touchdown. But, I mean, it, truly, this game was in doubt until the very last Idaho offensive play. Giovanni McCoy threw a pick. But, uh, look, this, this game was a kick-ass game. Both Dallas and I predicted, we correctly predicted Idaho would beat the spread, but our predictions were not for a, a clean looking game, like a pleasant beating of the spread. Um, Idaho exceeded everyone's expectations and um, look, Dallas, you were at the game. So look, we, we just went over close game. Look, I mean, the, in terms of Idaho, um, surprise, surprise defense looked stronger broadly. Um, offensive line did have some questions, but, Look, just overall reaction, you were at the game. Tell us what the environment was. You're in the Idaho section. How does it feel with this game? Look, we had a couple guys online who were kind of writing us for not predicting an Idaho win or a close loss. But broadly, almost everyone I talked to, it, their hope was just please have this be a kind of close game. Please have this not be embarrassing because we just – look, even Paul Petrino's good year in 2016, Idaho lost to WSU by 50 back when we made an FBS bull. So like if that team got annihilated by WSU, then why would you expect anything different? But we got something different, Dallas. What was it like in the Idaho section? So first I want to clarify a couple things. So Theo Lawson, formerly the Trib beat reporter, he's a Vandal grad. He's now working with Spokesman Review. Uh, he's doing their Gonzaga beat. He tweeted out today, the last time Idaho was in a one-score game against a Power 5 school, was Virginia back in 2011. I was actually at that game. I got flown in as one of the student filmers. Uh, so we've played Wazoo twice since but since that game. And now Petrino's first game was, I believe, 42-0. to zero. Awful bloodbath. Like you said, 2016, 56-6. And I feel a lot of the things that we saw with the Petrino tenure was just not showing up to the fight when it when it mattered the most and that was the exact opposite of tonight's team it was it was incredible it felt like every single punch wazoo threw idaho punched right back took it right on the chin and fired back and it was it was i don't i don't even have the word for it it was unbelievable to be there in that environment and and honestly just watch as i mean that first drive wazoo moved the ball pretty well Eight yards, 13 yards, six yards, incomplete pass, 16-yard rush, 10-yard rush, and then culminating in the fumble. Wazoo was moving really well on that first drive, and it, honestly, then that first 30 seconds, it felt like this could be a long night. Immediately punched the ball out, and just from there, it, it's, it felt like Idaho was trying to set the tone the whole game of, we are not your little brother. We are going to fight you every single inch of this game. And that that's what it was. Unfortunately, it didn't end up Idaho's way in the final score, but I don't know a single Vandal that could be upset with tonight's performance. No, absolutely. Look, you talked about the essentially the character of the team and that being one of the issues that in previous years of, you know, like you said, their previous years, especially the Power 5 games, we 
preemptively rolled over, or you know, talk about Eastern last year, preemptive rollover. This is a new era, and Jesus Christ, was this a way to ring it in? WSU heavily favored. We talked about on the episode, and we weren't wrong in the breakdown. WSU, in a lot of ways, it was a strength for WSU on weakness for Idaho matchup. But uh, I look, Idaho responded as well as you could hope. Absolutely. Anytime Idaho got punched in the mouth, they came right back up. You know, just look at the look at the first quarter. Idaho's up 10-0 at the end of the first quarter. We had, like I said, Marcus Harris fumble recovery for a touchdown. We force uh, Palm Walla forces a fumble shortly. I mean, next possession for WSU. Palm Walla forces a fumble. Idaho ends up, um, you know, we got bailed out with a roughing the passer penalty that added added 15 yards to a five-yard pass. Giovanni McCoy gets a 40-yard pass completion. We Idaho ends up not being able to stick it in the end zone. We're up 10-0. WSU, the best they can do is claw back. They tie it. It's 10-10 at halftime. But, again, it's a 29.5-point spread, and it's a 10-10 game. Now, Idaho had a real long time in between that initial drive I just talked about where we ended up finishing with a field goal and having much offensive success minus like a play or two that really took until the fourth quarter, you know, just the progression scoring of the game was um, Idaho scores 10, the first quarter WSU scores 10, the second quarter WSU scores uh, seven in the, in the third quarter. They WSU goes from down 10, zero to up 24, 10. And then Idaho's offense starts clicking again. We again, Idaho, went for it on fourth down what eight eight times this game seven or eight times it was either the number was seven or eight we can look at that in team stats in a second but uh man if you were look one of the things we're curious about is we've heard we've we've seen and heard reports that the characters team was changing but we have to see that in the in the games and boy did we see it today so quick stat correction three of seven for idaho from from fourth down Okay, so we went three of seven. Only one of those was really a desperation. It's a Jason Eck. Jason Eck was playing to win this game, and he almost pulled it off. Absolutely, and and the there was a one moment that was fourth and long that they probably could have punted and not given up a awful sack that gave Wazoo the ball back inside their own thirty five. But outside of that one mistake. Idaho didn't really mess anything up. There were no no egregious turnovers. McCoy had a couple interceptions, but they weren't anything that was like direly terrible mistakes. Yeah, he, he pushed it and probably didn't need to make that throw. But at the end of the game, I mean, the, the, it felt like the kid got the ball in his hands and it was immediately getting hit. There was just the offensive line was just not it was just not there. Uh, and we we've talked about that before of. We don't think the the depth is quite there. There's not a t- ton of experience there. It's just it, this is just a kind of a process that this is going to have to grow out. And Jason uh, against, Albeck was also out, and he's exactly. one of our starters. Thank and that's you. been an issue: is the depth is the gap between second string O line and first string. Exactly, and so that's you know when we're already down one guy in the probably the thinnest group on the team. It it definitely showed, but you look at the front seven of Wazoo. This is a, a legitimately very good defensive team. They're going to be in the top half of the the Pac-12, probably in the top three, honestly, from from how physical their front seven is. They have a couple guys that are all Pac-12 on that on that defense in Jackson and Stone. Like they they get to the quarterback, and that's what they did. If if McCoy had a little bit more time, this might have been a completely different story. Idaho looked like they belonged on that field, and that's not something we've been able to say about Idaho playing up to really anybody in the top third of the big sky or above. We haven't been able to say that in years. And here we are, game one of Jason X tenure. And they they looked like they belonged. Yes, the depth is a problem because of the scholarship limitation between FCS and FBS, but they looked like they belonged. Other than, other than the struggles with the offensive line, the corners were able to hold the receivers fairly well. The cushion of death being gone, maybe that was the only change that was needed. The secondary actually competed with these guys really well yeah look let's let's divide this into what went well and like where there's room to grow so let's you just began what went well i want to keep going on the corners for a second because that look that's been a target area we've talked about it for years on the show 
is can can Idaho get enough out of the secondary? And look, the based off the guys who transferred in, based off who Rob Orich has to work with, based off what Rob Orich said on our show, their gamble was Idaho has enough talent to the secondary. The issue was scheme the last few years scheme. And then just like we already talked about just, just the fight that you have on the team and uh, look, Cam Ward, 47 touchdown passes last year in the FCS. He goes to WSU. He has better skill position players to work with. He throws for 215 yards uh, against Idaho, which he Cam Ward finishes 40 for 25, three touchdowns, 215 yards, no picks. He also rushed, uh, for 33 total yards uh, on five five attempts, uh, thir- he gained 33 yards and lost 15 on you know, on sacks. But secondary overall, man, um, on our show, Orich talked about kind of philosophy is first, don't get beat deep, and again, but you know, fi- don't just give the Bresky cushion of death. That's done, guys. That we're we are not talk about that anymore, other than this episode to allude to it being gone. Idaho was not getting killed with big plays. Idaho kept kept it in front of them. And honestly, man, I that's the best performance I think I've ever seen out of Idaho secondary, at the very least, since joining the Big Sky. Uh, huge credit to Stanley Franks for his work there, too. But no, like Marcus Harris looked good. Matthias Bertram looked good. Um, yeah, we have we have some converted wide receivers playing playing on the D- DB as well. Dallas, you'll probably have a couple more dudes to be a look to, to reference as well. But the secondary absolutely held that uh, Jeremiah Salam. Again, there was, we can just say as stats, almost the names of our secondary, everyone played well against probably the best quarterback and best receiving core. This team's going to see the entire season. We were not outclassed. You, Dallas did a shit ton of research to cover WSU for our last episode. One of the things he highlighted was athletic receivers who are all around six, three Marcus Harris is our only six foot corner. Doesn't matter. Dudes fought and clawed did everything they had to, to, to make this a game. Uh, so I guess to me, man, of things that went well, the secondary itself might be the biggest revelation. Cause there's no way you can watch that game and not think Jesus Christ, when we're playing Northern Arizona, like those guys are going to give us trouble now? No way, man. No way. No, I mean, you could not if you if you did not watch this game. Just looking at the stats tell you what you need to know. Cam Ward, twenty five of 40, 215 yards. Yes, he did have three touchdowns and no interceptions. His longest completion was nineteen yards. There were no big plays that got away from Idaho. There was one like twenty four yard rush from Nakia Watson. But outside of that, like the, and then I think Ward had a scramble that was uh, decent, but the, there were no 30, 40 yard chunk pass plays that we have typically seen in the big sky in the last few years. So that, that right off the bat was incredible. The, the front seven looks like they have completely reloaded. Doesn't, I mean, love Trey Walker to pieces. It looks like they filled his spot with Favai and then Moala and Falanico and all these guys just filled in all the gaps on the front seven. They they came to ball. Uh, ended up with three sacks tonight. Like that, pretty damn good against the Pac-12 offensive line. That that is legitimately a good offensive line. Yes, they they lost a couple guys to the NFL, but that that's been the strength of Wazoo for quite a few years now. So seeing our front seven compete with a Pac-12 offensive line and get to the quarterback and and make his life difficult, the, incredible. I could not speak higher about the defensive performance. They obviously they put up seven points, which is more than Paul Petrino's offense put up in any game in his tenure playing the Cougs. So shots fired there, but the the defense was otherworldly. Uh, this honestly, looking at this top half of the big sky, no question to me, Idaho's defense has turned the corner finally. So that's that's the big thing I wanted to highlight. Just the, the front seven just being phenomenal there. The other thing Anthony Woods was a revelation. Nine carries for 52 yards. Can, 50 I, can I slow you down before we get the offensive part? Because there's a couple yes. other guys I want to hit on real quick. Go for it. So Leo Tomba, converted linebacker. He's an edge rusher now. He picked up a sack and a half. Juliana Falonico, he's our other edge rusher. He picks up a sack. Um, Paul Malala, the, the main three linebackers of Paul Malala, Mujibrufai, 
and um, like Dallas reference, Fave Favai uh, Favai. Uh, all absolutely looked like they belonged. Favai Favai led the way in terms of tackles. He had 11 total, uh, seven solo, four assisted. The but between between linebackers, also look the the front seven, including our line, which notable in a Pac-12 game, is that our, our line is not quite as physically imposing just in terms of statures, just in terms of space the dudes take up, as it has been the last couple of years. But look, WSU, even with how they, they spread the field for the air raid, the whole point in terms of rushing now is to have – they spread the team out so it's harder to, to stack the line as much. It's not like WSU was that imposing. They did average 5.7 yards per rush, but some of that, that didn't feel like a 5.7 yards per rush were like in a Montana game where they're just steadily pounding. WSU had a couple, they did have some spurts. They're able to run successfully, but look, they only scored 24 total points. They certainly were not abusing Idaho. So that 5.7, that might be on paper that looked rough, but overall I'm real happy with how the front seven did in terms of stopping WSU on the ground, which Look, WSU, that is a point of emphasis, even though it's air raid for them, like their modifications, they do want to run the ball a little bit more like a Mike Leach team typically would. They were not able to do it that effectively. To me, nowhere near as effectively as 5.7 yards per rush would suggest. And again, this is another way where I look, I see this game. And if this is the defense we're going to have this year, I'm probably adjusting the projected win totals from our first episode because suddenly some of the questionable teams I feel fine about. Couldn't agree more. I, I, I actually tweeted about it. Uh, outside of next week, I do. Th- I still, unfortunately, I'm sorry to throw water on the parade. I still don't think they go and beat Indiana next we, week. We have the Tuesday episode. You can throw water on the parade. I will. But uh, I just mean, so there's that to look, look forward to. There's still Montana on the schedule, but all the rest of those ones that we were talking about, eh, you know, they're, there's close, but maybe they're just not quite there. Seeing a performance like that where they they took it to a a Pac-12 school, yes, offensively there's there's definitely still some extra gears to find there, but you couldn't be more confident in this performance. And that's I think that's the big takeaway everybody needs to have is yes, they lost, but they lost in the most convincing fashion possible. So the other thing I had wanted to to bring up uh, just offensively. Anthony Woods looked phenomenal. Anthony Woods, why he got as many carries as Roshan, which was freshman running back Anthony Woods. Who, if you're new, if you haven't been t- paying attention to all our episodes, he's a new recruit running back. Take it away. Thank you. He's uh, a true freshman, I believe. So, yes, Roshan Johnson, nine carries, 19 yards, and everybody knows how good Roshan is going to be, how good Roshan has been, and the numbers he's probably going to put up this year. Anthony Woods nine carries for fifty two yards, long of sixteen. So he did he did bust a good one there. But every time he got the ball, he looked electric. He looked like he belonged on Wazoo's team, not on Idaho's team. And that's it's one of the things that we've heard about for years about all all of Paul Petrino's vaunted recruiting classes. But then guys get here and it's the same four win bullshit that it's been for for years at this point. I don't know what is different other than maybe the coaching staff knows what the hell they're doing this time seeing a true freshman walk into a pack 12 game and look like he might be the best running back on the, on the field, or if not, he's the second best right behind Nakia Watson, who again has a whole lot more experience than he does. Unbelievable. Uh, he stood out like a sore thumb. That kid is going to be the future of the, of this position for Idaho. Yeah. Anthony was, this isn't meant as a slight to Roshan Johnson at all. Cause Roshan Johnson's a good running back, especially he's a good big sky running back. Anthony Woods was the most impressive rusher for Idaho. It wasn't really close. The the touches, the touch distribution, Woods didn't really get as many touches until later into the second half. But no, no, Woods, look, I saw the scrimmage. I saw Woods bust out a 40-yard touchdown run. Heck, my mom, who's not a football fan, was watching the game with me because I, I couldn't go do the smoke. And I, you know, her she just, you know, she's not a huge football fan. She doesn't know the names. She says like, Hey, is that one of those fast guys we saw? And yes, it was. She's talking about Anthony Woods. He who looked great in the scrimmage and now against PAC 12 teams looks good. No way. Absolutely. No way that you're going to tell me Anthony Woods is not going to be an impact player this season 
in, in a big sky season, you know, we're talking about things that went, went well or went right. Um, man, I want to look at our receivers for a second. This is with the understanding that we'll, I'm not going to talk about the line yet. Cause that's probably in the uh, other side of the discussion, but couple, we had some wide receivers step up who maybe aren't the household names you'd think. I mean, look, Therese, Therese trainer had his, had a moment where he looked like a all league level receiver, but he, he finished with two catch of 29 yards. Hayden Hatton, um, he, his impact, honestly, I would never have guessed that he only had 14 total receiving yards, five catches, for 14 yards. It seemed like more, but whatever. Um, Jermaine Jackson, slot receiver coming off that blown knee, uh, Man, he, he looks like a target that uh, Giovanni McCoy likes. Five receptions for 110 yards. But then Jordan Dwyer had a couple huge catches in, in, in the fourth quarter. Two two on the, the scoring drive. One saved us first down, or he just got drilled in the lower back. And me as an aging former athlete, I saw that drill, drill in the lower back and thought, Jesus, that was rough. And then if, like a minute later, he's catching a touchdown. Jordan Dwyer, three catches, 39 yards, and a touchdown Uh which is to say, look, if th- those two guys are stepping up, we already know Hayden Hatton's good. We already know Therese Trainer's good. George Dwyer is another impact freshman that I, there's true freshman. There's no way that dude's going to redshirt. He's going to be just like Anthony Woods. He's going to be way too impactful in a big sky season to play four games and put on the shelf. But the skill position, which skill position is running back receiver, which we already thought were kind of deep, they're deeper. I look. I I saw that. Look, Montana beat the shit out of Northwestern State. Well, this this, this Saturday, I I would take Idaho skill position players over the Montana skill position players, based off what I saw today. Absolutely not a question. The, the The thing that the stat line doesn't really show about Jackson and Dwyer, they both had multiple plays where they would have been open for an easy touchdown. We saw McCoy uncork one tonight. McCoy's got the arm. If he could have just a little bit more time in the pocket, this would have been a different ball game. And Dwyer and Jackson would have either had multiple touchdowns apiece, or both of them would have crossed into a hundred yards because there were there were definitely times that they outran the Coug secondary. It just just didn't have the time to get the ball there. It. I am trying not to be like Martin Heemstra, sunshine and rainbows, right here. But holy shit, guys! This might finally be the year that Idaho knocks off a handful of teams in the big sky, and we're talking playoffs at the end of the year. This team, if they come out with an effort like this every night, this is a team that is going to be very hard for a lot of other teams to even compete with, much less beat. The next thing that went right is for Giovanni McCoy, he started, which we we talked about on the episode last week. Giovanni McCoy was going to be the starter. He came out. And we're going to get to, again, we're going to get the offensive line in a second, but relative to being under incredible duress the entire night, relative to not having a ton of time to really work, you know, Giovanni McCoy's final stat line, 21 completions, 32 attempts, 212 yards, a touchdown and two picks long, longest pass was, was 42 yards that, that went to Jermaine Jackson. Look, if you were concerned about the Idaho quarterback position because there wasn't a single guy who seemed to emerge until late, until a little bit later in camp, I know Eck chose to not say anything. It was pretty much the last two weeks. Every tip we had is that, no, this is not a contest. It's McCoy. It's McCoy. It's McCoy. It's over. He answered the call, man. Um, he, you know, he's not as mobile. He's not close to as mobile as a guy like CJ, you know, uh, McCoy can extend plays a little bit, but he, he's certainly not, uh, he's not a running quarterback. He's not going to be beating teams with, with his legs as his, as any sort of main contribution. He's a thrower and uh, dude's got an arm. He's going to make some mistakes. He's a redshirt freshman. Uh, you know, he forced two picks one. I'm going to, he threw a pick at the very end. We didn't have that much time. I'm not that upset about look, Jason. Eck, I actually talked with my older brother about this. Jason Eck went for it on fourth down a lot throughout this game. It was clear. He was playing to win. It was clear that the ethos of this team was look, if we're going to beat WSU, we need to, we need some things to break, right. And we're going to force some things to either break our way or break towards WSU. You got to think that probably rub, rubbed off a little bit on the players too, mostly in a positive way, but a little bit in a couple of forced plays. 
you know, Giovanni McCoy's first pick to me was his worst in that he looked like he clearly had enough space, just hold the ball, run for first down, let's see another day, tried to thread the needle and uh, got picked off. But I mean, WSU picks off uh, WSU forces turnovers. It's a good defense. So that's going to happen. He's a retro freshman, but overall uh, no questions about arm strength. Uh, everyone knows with Giovanni McCoy, look, you can you can drill him. He's going to get right back up. This is another dude who's got a lot of fight in him. You can understand why he was kind of a favorite. Everything we'd heard is he was a favorite of the players to be a starter for exactly that reason is, you know, kind of the leadership that uh, fitting with the uh, fitting in with the idea of this team needs to become scrappier. And McCoy certainly is that. But he's not just he's not just scrappy. Dude's got an arm. Now he's gonna. We're gonna have to live through some some true some redshirt freshman mistakes. But look, I, I saw McCoy play, and I I he easily has the talent to be a solid Big Sky quarterback. So I'm I'm suddenly not concerned about quarterback really at all. Same. I uh, I was very impressed with McCoy. Um, Twenty one of thirty two. Again, he had the two picks, but you really can't hold the last one against him. Like realistically that drive is going to either end in a touchdown or an interception. Like that's, that's how the end of that game was going to go. And it, unfortunately it broke, broke Wazoo's way at the final end. And, and you can't do much about that, but well, actually, can I actually ask you a different thing about McCoy, just cause you were yeah. at the game. It, same baseline is I wish that we could have a stat breakdown of her, of times when McCoy had enough time. And times where he was, he just instantly was running for his life. What I saw on TV is when he had a second, he looked good. And when he didn't have a second, he looked like you would expect the big sky quarterback with a, a collapsing line to look against WSU. But you were at the game. Mm -hmm. What was what was your experience of that that differentiation between has time, no time? I remember only two passes that he had time. And I remember distinctly thinking. Oh yeah, he's going through progressions. Like he's he is doing exactly what you would want a quarterback to do. He's he is doing the right thing. He made the right decision. He uncorked one and and made a large completion. Every other play, it felt like he was already. By the time he has the ball in his hands and is looking at his first receiver, there are two linemen coming right around the tackles to light him up. And yes, he got he definitely took a couple shots, but for the most part, he he'd slip out. He'd find the emergency release and just dump it off and that's what you have to be able to do to succeed when you are unfortunately you are outgunned by a defense that is is coming to kill you and an offense you have an offensive line that just doesn't have the depth to survive against a pac-12 team like that uh so no very very impressive uh, the one the one thing that was very weird to me was in the the third quarter they brought out cj jordan for one play and it felt like the the snap was bad he kind of picked it up off the turf and then they sacked him and then they just they just sent him back out. It, it felt like kind of like the Borish thing from last year of Borish comes out. Yeah, I can answer that. Middle. You know why it felt that way? Because it was. Yeah, CJ Jordan's doing the Borish stuff. So if um if if Idaho shifts to run heavy, CJ becomes the quarterback. But look, we I I think X saw like Jesus Christ. That I don't it doesn't matter if that was a good snap. There was no time. There was no way run heavy was going to work. With, mm -hmm. with CJ against against WSU. Not against but yeah, that's what you saw. It looked like they okay. said like, hey, let's try the run heavy thing for like one second, then bailed. That's because that's what happened. I was I was hoping that you had a better experience of it. Martin and I were sitting in you know in the in the stands and like, wait a minute, is CJ in? Wait a minute, what the hell just happened? And then you know he trots off the field and Geo comes back on and didn't really quite grasp what was going on until so thank you for that. So that that is the one intriguing thing. Is that going to be, was that just a, a, Hey, we're going to try this to see if we can get the offense going because at that point, nothing had really worked other than that 15 yard penalty that bailed out the drive. And then the large completion to Jackson, maybe that was just, Hey, we're going to try to, to spark something. And then one play in realized it was a mistake. Maybe this is what they're going to try to do. You know, run CJ out for a series and, and have him, run the ball a little bit, you know, get the, the distribution a little bit closer to the, what is it, 55-45 that Eck was talking about. I forgot the specific number he'd mentioned earlier, but that was about the one thing from the quarterback position I didn't quite grasp, uh, but to X credit, he did catch on very quickly that this was not going to work out, or Coach Slice as well. He, uh, he's technically the play caller. They picked that up very quickly that 
this was not going to be a recipe for success. And unfortunately, didn't didn't get the offense clicking again until midway through the fourth quarter, and it was too late. But uh, when Geo did have time to loop all of this back, when Geo did have time, the offense looked good. It was just he just didn't have time on really more than two or three plays. Yeah, want to hit on a couple other things that went right quick. Penalty wise, for there was only one run really where penalties hurt Idaho's in that. It was in the fourth quarter. It was honestly what led into the Dallas alluded to a fourth and nine where Idaho went for it and Giovanni got sacked immediately. Uh, a false start pushed that back from fourth and four to fourth and nine. But penalty wise, I believe Idaho 35 yards total penalties in the game. We've six, it was six, oh my, uh, stat, stat check. Seven penalties for 50 yards, so probably a little bit more than you would like. But uh, honestly, a handful of those penalties came, did come in the fourth. Did come in the fourth quarter, which of course that sucks. Time timeliness wise, that part sucks. But relative to a lot of new starters, Idaho this this game was not Idaho shooting itself in the foot with personal fouls and dumb shit penalties for the most part. We had we did have one one personal foul that uh, negated a WSU holding penalty, which that did hurt. But overall, Idaho Idaho was in this because we took what we could, and we did not give up big plays on special teams. We didn't give up big – like no, no block punts, stuff like that. We didn't give up big plays overhead. Like I said, Cam Ward's longest completion, 19 yards. And for the most part, this team didn't shoot itself in the foot with penalties. In, in losing field position. So to me, like there's not a whole lot to explain there. That went well. Thing that you might want to piggyback on. Look, this is Coach Coach Eck was in his first live performance. And look, the coaching staff takes their cues from Eck. And man, Jason Eck looked like he was having fun on the sidelines. He was getting in the game. He was trying to get the crowd pumped up. You could uh you could see him let loose in his way a little bit more in a and it was fun seeing him get animated, but not in like the Paul Petrino screaming at people because they, you know, because they fuck something up. Like getting people jacked up on the sidelines was more of what Eck was doing. And look again, his first his first performance, the end result could not have been better. But then in his role of what people are gonna see, he couldn't have personally been better in my mind. Like the, really, there was one kind of questionable play call, like that, that fourth and nine where Giovanni got sacked. I think that that should have been a punt. But otherwise, look, the way this game was drawn up, uh, and X not the only one involved in this, of course, but he's the head coach, so that's who we're going to focus on. The defensive strategy uh, that Orich came up with and that you know X clearly involved with, sound. It was the strategy we needed if we were going to be competitive, and we were. Offensively, we did what we could. We're going to get to what we what needs to get better soon. But relative to the limitations Idaho has, relative to look, Eck has just has had one. This is first year. X delivering. This is not. We've left the world of hey, the, are the optics good or not? No, he concrete. We had a great team performance, and the dude on the sidelines representing himself and the university the way we would want him to. No, I, I couldn't agree more. I do wanna I do wanna give the backstory here to this fourth and nine, just so everybody knows what happened here. Idaho gets the ball at Wazoo's forty eight after Favai forced the third fumble of the game from Wazoo. Uh, Andre goes, uh, excuse me, Andre Carter goes four yards, second and six. Giovanni gets sacked. It's third and fifteen. False start turns it into third and twenty. The draw play from with Anthony Woods ends up getting down to fourth and four, and that's when they're going for it. They're going for it on fourth and four, and it was absolutely the right call at the time. You just had the best play you've had since the first quarter offensively. It was time to go, and unfortunately, Idaho had yet another false start penalty. That was the one issue with the penalties. Quite a handful of false starts tonight. But again, young offensive line without a whole lot of depth. This is the the thing that's going to just kind of happen until this group has gotten enough experience to to get past these kind of rookie mistakes. And so I think that's that's where some of that came from is they're absolutely going for it on fourth and four. The false start happens without taking a timeout, without taking a, a ton of time. It's they just they lined up 
executed the play, and unfortunately, Geo got sacked for 14 yards right after that, and it led to the final touchdown from Wazoo, and 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 here it goes. But that's I, I wanted to make sure that everybody knows the the reason Eck went for it on fourth and nine. If this was like a just randomly, it was fourth and nine, and he chose to go for it. We might harp on it a little bit harder, but it it was fourth and four. That was absolutely the right time to go for it. Fourth and nine might not have been the time to go for it, but when it was fourth and four, it was make the decision, uh, and it was what it was. Outside yeah, of that, WSU th- then ended up scoring. Only only context I'm adding to what you're saying is, look, again, he was clearly playing to win this game. Mm-hmm. He went for it on fourth down seven times, got three of them. Uh, the the gamble here, other than the obvious fourth and nine, which is kind of a long to, long long way to gamble is it surrendered pretty bad field position and then WSU scored right away. Mm-hmm. But th- th- in terms of, I'll throw it back to you, the, this, that was really the only moment where in my head, I was like, okay, I, I don't, I'm guessing, I don't think that was the right call. Otherwise, yeah. no, dude, everything seems, everything seemed fine. Exactly. And that's, that's the whole, I think the whole point I was trying to get to here. Um, I apologize. It's 1am. Uh, that that's the one decision that we have that we could nitpick. It it did not feel like that over the last well, realistically nine years, but especially the last four, it has not felt like we could come out of there and say, "Holy shit, this is a really well coached team." Yeah, you'd like to have one back, but you didn't come uh, come out of the games thinking, "Wow, Idaho is just maximizing all of their talent from there because their coaching staff knows what they're doing." It's not something you could say a whole lot before. Definitely feels like that now, which does make the, the 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 issues feel much larger. I'm terrified about the offensive line. Like, let's get just let's get into it. The offensive line is absolutely the weakest point on this team right now. There's just not enough bodies. Is the thing that we're talking three freshmen in the two deep, three true freshmen in the two deep. Like, there's just not a bunch of bodies here, not a bunch of experience here. It is. It stood out like a. It stood out really, really badly against Wazoo. Again, that's a very extreme team to be playing. Uh, Indiana's defensive line is not going to be quite the same because Indiana sucks. When you get down to the FCS, it's not going to be quite the same, but that was, I think that was the big thing that stood out. I can't think of anything else that was terribly negative other than there was really no time, no real good push for a running back to follow behind. It was just kind of a struggle in that aspect. Yeah, we, yeah, we have to we have to get to that. Which is, you know, if we're looking at areas that are questions, areas areas of concern, the offensive line is the area of, at which everything is going to center because it's not. Look, Eck has been open about this. He's he's built offensive lines, strong offensive lines. Place like South Dakota State. By the way, South Dakota State almost beat Indi- Iowa, India, Iowa today. Um, Idaho just hasn't had time to build the guys that Eck built at South Dakota State. But um, you know, it, any statistical metric that you look at that people think of as indicative of offensive line health, well, let's go through. Idaho rushed uh, 34 times for a net of 62 yards. They gained 103 total, but lost 41 yards between sacks and rushes for negative yards. Average yards per rush, 1.8. Uh, obviously, that, that part's not good enough. Giovanni McCoy gets sacked seven times. Uh, never mind how many Giovanni probably averted and just by scrambling for his life. He didn't About turn 10 that more. Yeah, he didn't turn that into a ton of positive yards. A lot of it was just getting away get, and just getting a pass off, sometimes incomplete, sometimes for a couple yards. But like those, any, those are the main things you'd look at as your evidence for how the offensive line held up and yeah, the offensive line, we, we just, the other thing, Idaho led time of possession in this game and it still felt like the offensive line was not able to keep our defense off the field quite enough relative to what our defense was dealing with in, you know, air raid cam ward. But that, yeah, that's really, that's the glaring thing that look at it like i said it probably doesn't look as bad against well it's not gonna look as bad against the drake it's not gonna look as bad against the nau but is it uh, look montana is gonna watch this tape 
and their 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 front sevens gonna begin licking their chops. Sac State's gonna watch this tape and they're gonna they're gonna think, okay, well, we know what to do. Realistically, every team right now is gonna watch this tape and they're gonna know that defensively the strategy against Idaho is just is bring the heat. Make the offensive line hold enough and make the redshirt freshman quarterback make the right reads. Exactly. And that's, I mean, the, again, we're going to have our games uh, not to, to harp on Giovanni or CJ or Ridge Dodger or Jack Lane or Jabore Gibbs or who, whichever quarterback is going to be come in. There are going to be games where the quarterbacks are going to make mistakes and we're going to have to talk about them in a post game of like, well, a couple really awful picks tonight. Like, that's going to happen. It's what happens when you have guys that are everyone's young except for Jabore, and he hasn't really played in about three years. So keep that in mind. But outside of you know, again, McCoy had a couple interceptions. You can go either way on on how serious they were. The offensive line struggled. Brian, was there anything else that stuck stuck out to you as a a sore spot or a place that needs a lot of improvement? No, like realistically, no. Look, the play calling was pretty much it's honestly what Eck, it's in line with what Eck had said in his press conference is he doesn't decide a game plan before evaluating the talent at South Dakota state, his last season there, 58% of the time they ran 42% of the time they passed when he's spoken interviews, he emphasizes the run in, in, and that's the kind of thing where you would think, okay, well maybe the split's going to be, 60 40 or something like that well no it was it was damn near 50 50 32 passes 34 rushes that's that's responding the way that's responding to the game being played the way he needs to respond being fluid with your understanding of strategy it's exactly what we need no man it's just the issue the issue with your offensive line being the cause for concern is it just impacts the other positions of uh, it impacts does the quarterback have enough time to hit skill position players do the running backs, whether they're good or not, look that they need, they need space. A good running back is going to take that space and do a ton with it. But if the space isn't there, what, what the hell are you supposed to do? Especially against a PAC 12 team, you got no space. There's nowhere to go. Like, you know, we talk about Rashawn Johnson. This was certainly not Rashawn Johnson's best game, nine rushes for 19 yards along with five, but like Rashawn Johnson wasn't making mistakes. He didn't rush for 19 yards on nine rushes because he was making the wrong reads or something like that. No, Rashawn Johnson was fine. He's going to be fine, come especially come FCS season for us. It's just no space. So I, I don't know how that offensive line situation fixes itself this year. And that, to me, is the clear limiting factor right now for Idaho is do we have – we have an offensive line that I think is going to be okay, is going to be fine against the like shitty to mid-big sky teams for sure. Because, look, we are down a starter, which means we're playing one of our second stringers more than we would have otherwise. And we help, we fought through against WSU. Now, like, you're not going to tell me NAU is a team we can't fight through. But, look, the, the ceiling of expected performance of this team, if everything clicks, is contending for a playoff spot. That is absolutely still on the table for this team. And based off, honestly, what the big sky looked like week one, which we'll probably talk about more on our weekly show. There's no reason to think Idaho is outclassed by virtually anyone except maybe Montana and Montana state right now in the big sky, but for Idaho to get to the playoffs, man, that that line's going to have to either stay health, have a historically healthy season or some young guys are going to have to grow up very fast. No, you, you kind of mentioned it looking over the schedule now. I have Indiana circled and Montana circled. Other than that, the the games that were kind of are up in the airs, the Northern Arizonas, the Portland States, even Sacramento State, UC Davis, we kind of de- debated back and forth. After a performance like this, I feel completely different about how the rest of the season is going to go. I just the the big the big wrap up for me here. You think back to 2016 when Idaho last played Wazoo. Idaho won a bowl game that year. Wazoo won eight games that year. They lost 56 to six. They got absolutely skull fucked by Wazoo. That did not happen this year. This Wazoo team is probably not going to fall on their face because before anybody says, well, maybe Wazoo just sucks this year. 
In 2016, Wazoo lost to Eastern. Yes, Eastern was number 14 in the FCS at the time. Yes, they had Cooper Cup on his Walter Payton Man of the Year, or excuse me, Walter Payton Award like campaign. They were they were a wagon. But Wazoo has a tendency to do this. They play poorly against an FCS school and then have a decent year. But the last time we played them, we won a bowl game that year, and we lost that game by fucking 50. This time, we punched them right back. We were in it until the final seconds, and honestly... If that linebacker, uh, Dayon Hensley, doesn't make the incredible interception that he did at the end of the game, we could be talking about this game completely differently. We we legitimately could be talking about a Vandal victory. That's that's the context here. Idaho hung with a Pac-12 opponent to the point that if one other play goes their way, there was a legitimate chance that we're talking about a victory tonight. And that's that is a victory in itself, the fact that Idaho hung with the toughest opponent on this year's schedule. Oh yeah. Look, the the game was in doubt until there were 12 seconds left on the game clock. That would in that final drive, like I was, I was watching the game with my brother in Coeur d'Alene. I was seriously talking like, dude, you think if we score here, think X can go for two for the win, which honestly hot take. Yes. That would have been a call. That would have been the call because overtime you would have just, you'd have to assume WSU has the advantage. No, you, you got, Mm -hmm. and you, if, if that was the case, you, you got to do it. If you lose, who gives a shit? Um, it's a Pac-12 team. You're supposed to lose. Yep. But um, look, we we need to, we need to do the huge River ad read Dallas. I want to do. We didn't we didn't really plan this, dudes. It's uh, almost one o'clock. I think we should do game ball, uh, both of us, offense, defense. And but before we get there, give you a couple times to a couple seconds to think it over. Uh, this you know around the bar brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. If you're looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental U.S., located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the Middle Fork and the Salmon, the Main Salmon River, no return, the Salmon River Canyons, the Selway, or you can even check out special trips like the one to see the Perced Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater hike, scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, take in history along the river, and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the country. You just bring close. Let HRE handle the rest. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandal owned and operated since 1976 and ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the gem state. Call them now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. Dallas, uh, game ball offense. Uh, offense for me, Jermaine Jackson. I thought he looked incredible. Five receptions for 110 yards. Uh, I thought he was the the best player on the offense tonight. And I think if if Vonnie had had a couple more seconds on a couple more plays, we could be talking about Jermaine having 180 yards and two touchdowns. If he was that good tonight, looked like he absolutely is back from that knee injury. You're right. That that's who should get the game ball. My like co-offensive game ball. I'm gonna go Javonnie McCoy because look again the stat line. It's not like the most impressive stat line in the history of quarterbacks. But relative to the pressure he faced on every single snap in this game, if you are at all questionable about the quarterback, take Xanax. We are going to be fine. Idaho, Idaho has a the quarterback situation is taken care of. Quarterback room is super young, like you talked about, Dallas. So it's a second string, to our knowledge, second string is is true freshman Jack Lane. Uh, third string is third year freshman CJ Jordan. So it's we're going to see a lot of freshmen playing quarterback. So look, you're, you're going to have to deal with some, some rookie mistakes, but relative to Giovanni kept us in the game. Giovanni made the plays. He could, he, he answered quite, he answered the questions. I think a lot of people had when you don't have a quarterback name two weeks before the season starts. So I'm, Real, real stoked with the effort we had on him. You're right, Jermaine Jackson easily had the offensive MVP, but uh, you know to get to get something else. Giovanni McCoy is the guy who probably had the biggest questions, other than the offensive line as a whole. Biggest question mark on the offense was how is Giovanni going to handle WSU's pressure? He did pretty damn well. Game ball defense. I'm going to let you take the obvious one. I'm going to go with Matthias Bertram. He forced both of the fumbles in the first quarter. Second on the team in tackles. He seemed like he was everywhere. And that was honestly something we haven't talked about with the secondary. Felt a lot different than the coaching style of Bresky. It felt like any time a receiver caught a ball, there were four vandals around him immediately. It was incredible. I thought 
I thought Bertram had an incredible game. I know Marcus Harris is the one that picked up the touchdown, but Bertram's the one who forced the fumble and the one before that. See, to me, it isn't brain dead of who the obvious one would be because, look, look uh, Favai Favai was all over the place, 11 tackles, but I'm going to go Marcus Harris. The First off, again, we, we already covered it. Secondary looked good, very good relative to what we're used to out of Idaho and against probably the best receiving core they're going to see the entire year. Second, that touchdown fumble, the fumble recovery that he picked up returned for a touchdown. Man, was that huge. Without that touchdown, look, Idaho's trailing at the end of the third quarter without that touchdown, 17-3. to And I bet uh, the attitude a lot of Vandals probably have about this game is still, look, we're kind of keeping in here, but, like, we're not doing that much offensively. That was – that touchdown was a shot in the arm that carried carried the momentum to me of this team and carried, gave some momentum to this fan base a lot more then one single touchdown might might typically have been. Anytime you get a defensive touchdown, that's a big deal. And this team last year, especially in big sky play, we weren't we weren't a team getting touched where the defense was picking up touchdowns. Hell, the team picked off two total passes in big sky play last year. So having the defense contribute both in forced turnovers, like you talked about already, and in taking one of those to the house early, where you know that was the key of the game for me is Idaho can't get punched in the mouth early. No, we did the mouth punching early, and it was Marcus Harris picking up that strip from Matthias Bertram taking it to the house. So yeah, Marcus Harris gets my game ball. That was my brain dead answer. Oh. I, and I, I do want to throw out Favai Favai had a great game. Favai Favai is going to have a great game every single week, guys. Like, let's be real here. He's probably going to lead the team in tackles. He's probably going to have double digit tackles. He had eleven tonight. He's going to have a great game just about every single time they they go out there on the field. Yeah, he will. And you know, we could recircle this conversation easily. Start talking about their guys, Juliano Falonico. Clearly, yeah, you know, like he was he was good. Leo Tomba, good, and uh, in, in that shifting to the edge rusher spot early on. Paul Mwala really was the name. Yeah, Paul Mwala, mm-hmm. especially early man. He was the guy that I that seemed like he was just everywhere to start off with. So I think if you had any questions about how his Achilles are doing, well, WSU would tell you his Achilles is doing fine based off how that went tonight. So we've got our game balls. Um, I am, I will be doing a big sky power ranking podcast tomorrow. Probably a solo venture to go through how the conference is doing, but Hey, uh, if you, uh, you like what we're doing, both covering vandals. And if you, uh, you like the idea of getting a little, getting to know a little bit of how the rest of the conference did tune in uh, tomorrow. And also support us at uh, patreon.com backslash tubs the club, aka hashtag only tubs. Uh, Dallas, I guess, last question I have for we call it a night. Just tell me, environment in the vandal section. I know through the through the ticket office, we sold out. Idaho sold out its it's allotted tickets for its section. How was it actually sitting there? It was electric, actually. The the people that were there showed up to party. Uh, it was it was actually a great time. It was it was absolutely packed. We had a bunch of drunk, uh, underage morons in front of us, trying to stick about seven people into three seats because um, apparently they couldn't read their tickets. Uh, I don't know. I didn't really care to find out. Um, so that was a little interesting. But I mean, it was it was jam packed. It was loud. It was energetic. It was chaotic. It was exactly what it needed to be. That sounds so goddamn good. Without last season, the Kibbe Dome was a graveyard. You know, this is, man, this is one of the things that was just on, that's just a little bit at stake with, to me, how fragile this fan base could be with how the last goddamn decade went. You know, Ekenko did everything right on before the season started. Look, the athletic administration, we shit on them for hiring Zach Claus, not firing him because we should but the athletic administration with their organization of like social media accounts and hyping up the season they're doing everything right too so look we're doing everything off the field right but you got if if we don't get that matched on the field eventually none of that stuff matters we did and so it's great to hear the fans tuned out showed up and were treated to a rewarding performance telling them yeah now get your ass to kibby dome for the drake game like we're probably not going to have a ton of people traveling for the Indiana game. Uh, I know I'm sure the watch parties are going to be a little bit more uh, more mm-hmm. happening this this time around. But if if you were looking for something to happen to make sure that that dome come home opener against Drake, 
doesn't feel like the graveyard like it felt like the last couple seasons and feels all we need is that that place at two thirds capacity and that's a kick ass environment. Absolutely. And I, I beg you guys two weeks from now, please, if you can make it to Moscow, get there for that game because holy shit, we're going to punch those guys' heads off. Drake, for those that don't know, Drake is not particularly good and they play in a conference that doesn't have athletic scholarships. If Idaho plays like they did tonight, it is going to be a bloodbath, a Simon Fraser level bloodbath, but this time it'll be against the team that's, you know, in our, in our conference. No, and our- it'll be fun. Like, first off, it's going to be needed. Because we start off the the season with two bye games, which just sucks. But what you know, you if we we play like we did against WSU, get it's Indiana. Even if it's a loss, man, two competitive Power Five losses for an Idaho team, people are going to be stoked for that first game. So yeah, now dude, get your tickets. If Jason Eck and Co are doing everything they can, we have to reward them as a fan base. Buy your tickets. If you can make it to the game, you got to get to the game. Um, I, I, you're going to love good, it, man. Yeah, no, dude, you're going to love it. You, but again, you should look another thing before we close off, get your ass to a game. Rob Warch isn't going to be in Moscow very long guys. That no, man, I didn't want to have to talk about that tonight, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if he's not here next year. Yeah, dude. No, defensively, this is an and look. Rob Orich has the kings to the key, kings the keys to the kingdom on the defensive side. Strategically, man, that was great. Especially the secondary, man. The fact isn't it goddamn wild that his gamble that no, like the defensive the, the defensive talent in the secondary with some converted wide receivers is going to be enough. It's just schematic stuff, and here's what we're gonna do and how it's gonna fix it. That gamble worked against WSU. So, yeah, dude, we have a kick-ass coaching staff, especially the assistants. They're not all going to be here forever. Get to the Dome, enjoy it while it lasts. Absolutely, especially for anybody that stays up watching Pac-12 after dark like I am am prone to do. A month from now when Wazoo and USC or Oregon State or Utah or some just random team that they're all of a sudden it's a 50-45 to game, Remember that Idaho's defense held this team to 24 points. And yes, it was by forcing three turnovers, but Idaho held this team to 24 points. There will absolutely come a game in October or maybe the early November where Wazoo is going to put up 50 and it's going to look like they did it without even thinking about it. Just second nature scored 50 like it was absolutely nothing. Do not forget that Idaho held them to 24 points. Okay, it's super fucking late. We're going to call it quits. And I, I know I just said we only had one more thing, but I lied. We have one more thing. Dallas, you have to... I'm, I'm drawing a blank because it's pretty goddamn late. The uh, Oregon State OC. Former uh, Brian Lindgren? Brian Lindgren. Yeah, bringing that up. Because uh, in case you guys are curious, if Boise State gets their ass kicked, we'll give you a quick Boise State update. Uh, Vandal Brian Lindgren's offense, Oregon State. Uh, boy, did he not have too much trouble against Boise State. Uh, Oregon State, the same night that Idaho hangs with WSU until the last damn play. Boise State trailed Oregon State essentially the entire goddamn game. Went so bad with their quarterbacks that Andy Avalos says, like, yeah, we have a QB competition starting next practice. That's how shitty things were in Boise. Uh, Boise State this, 34 to For anybody that doesn't follow Boise State terribly much, this after he talked all about how much better their program was going to be this year, how their culture was going back to the way of Boise State from 10 years ago, and Hank Bachmeyer was, he had he had figured it out, and he was going to be this incredible quarterback, and they were going to shock the world and go back to what Boise State still thinks that they are. Well, look, Hank Bachmeyer, he was... Hey, he was fantastic if your comparison is Dylan McCaffrey. Four of eight for 30 yards, two picks. Well, that should be six of eight, right? Picks are completions. He should have been six of eight. That's two completions. What ESPN, what the hell is with your stat check? That's bullshit. But yeah, uh, great night in Moscow. Shitty night in Boise. Hard to get much better than that. Dallas, let's just get the hell out of here. We're, we're going to be back pretty quick. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Share the shit out of this. We'll be back pretty soon. Go Vandals. Go Vandals.